As I mentioned this morning, tonight's lesson, this is the 49th lesson in our one word series. I think we've got four more left after this one. So we're getting to the end. I've got some ideas of what I might want to do after that. But I tell you, as a preacher, I've enjoyed doing the one word series because I haven't had to pick out what lesson I'm going to do on Sunday night. It's already been planned. So that helps. That's part of the battle right there. Uh, but anyway, tonight's lesson is on the word crucify. And as I mentioned, we back a few weeks past, we, we went through uh, some of the, the things about Jesus, especially his last days. And so we've already had a lesson on his crucifixion. But tonight's lesson goes a little bit into uh, another realm, if you will. Uh, we're going to talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, but we're also going to spend some time on us being crucified with Christ and see what that means as well. But as we look at this word, crucify, I know that I, whenever I have one of these lessons, uh, one of the first things that I do is I, I Google the word just to see what the definition is going to be. And the word crucify is not a word that we typically use in our English language. It's not a word that we would use in our everyday life. Um, but, you know, back in the Bible times, that was, um, well, of course it was translated, but anyway, it was a, a lot, lot more common concept back then. But the word crucify is a word that is particular to religion. And so if you look it up in a dictionary, the definition that is given pertains to religion. Even in ways that it might not pertain to religion, it still comes back to a reference to Christ. Uh, one would likely, uh, again, not use it except in terms of the crucifixion of Jesus. But the meaning that is provided for this word it is to put someone to death by nailing or binding them to a cross, especially as an ancient punishment. And of course, with the Jews, this was a common thing. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, but that's the idea that we have for crucifixion. Um, death. Nailing or binding them to the cross. It was a form of punishment. And that was crucifixion. Now, being put to death by means of crucifixion, Jesus was punished in a way that we deserved to be punished. But not in the way that He deserved. And what I mean by that is that, that when we look at, at ourselves, we realize that we sin. Even after becoming Christians, we still, we falter from time to time. We do make mistakes. And we can repent of those. We can ask for forgiveness. And we know that, that as long as we're faithful, that God will forgive us. But because of the things that we have done against God, we think of, of God, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and we think of perfection. We think of holiness and righteousness. And in a way that, that righteousness is translated to us through Christ and through His shed blood. Now, when we look at the cross, we can see that, 
that that was the punishment that we deserved. Because of what we've done, because of uh, that we are not seen as righteous other than the blood of Christ, we deserve to be punished for our sin. But Jesus did not deserve to be punished. In living life, Jesus was tempted just as we are, and yet He was without sin. He didn't deserve to be punished the way that He was. And even Pilate knew that. We'll see that in a moment as well. But Jesus took upon Himself our punishment so that we might be free from such punishment. And it is through Christ that we are given justification, propitiation, redemption, and atonement for our sins. That's each of, of the last four lessons that we've had in this series. And we have one key verse that we, we have been using, and, and we'll come back to it at least one more time. Romans chapter 3, and verses 21 through 26. Romans 3 and verse 21 But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption of that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Again, we go back to verse 24 and we find these these words that are used being justified, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood. Jesus was made an atonement for our sins to make us at one with God. Jesus became all of these for us through His death on the cross. And so it is Him. It is He who provides us with this justification, propitiation, redemption, and atonement. Our lesson objectives for tonight are to learn the meaning of the crucifixion of Christ and and how it applies to us. And and again, looking at it a little differently than what we have in the past to learn how we are also crucified with Him in life. Begin with the crucifixion of Christ. Let's turn to Matthew 27. Matthew 27, let's begin reading in verse 11. Matthew 27, verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, 
And the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him and said, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Barabbas! Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. The governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us, not our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. You see that Pilate, he knew that Jesus was innocent. He knew that he had done nothing wrong and he even called him a just person. What shall I do with this just person? When the people cried out all the more, Let him be crucified. He tried to wash his hands of the whole matter. But he was still left with guilt. Crucifixion was meant to be the most painful and torturous death possible. It was used by the Romans as a means of controlling the citizens and deterring them from crime. Maybe similarly to, to how we use the death penalty on occasion. But one who was crucified became a public example. And sometimes they would leave them on the cross for a time to, to let the people see them as they walked by. Mock or 
ridicule, whatever they want to do. But we see that, that even thieves were crucified with Jesus as they're, they're called. and We don't know exactly all of their crimes, but we know that that was one of them. So we see that, that, that it was a, a punishment. It, it was meant for humiliation. It, it was meant for pain and torture. Crucifixion was, was not only painful to endure, but it was very degrading to be tortured in front of masses as they were. Now, the callousness of the Jews is, is clearly seen in that they desired such an awful death of the one among them who had done no wrong. Again, Jesus was, was a just person, just as, as Pilate could see. And just as anyone else could see, well, uh, aside from the Jews. But as we look at his life, he had done nothing wrong. He had done nothing to, to harm anyone. But we see the callousness of the Jews. Let him be crucified. Let him be destroyed. Let his blood be upon us and on our children. If only they knew what they were saying. The Jews threatened Pilate with treason against Caesar if he did not have Jesus punished. We read in John 19 and verse 12, From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Now he tried to wash his hands of the matter. Pilate was as guilty as the rest for delivering Jesus to them for crucifixion. We pick up in Matthew 27 with verse 27 and we read about his sufferings. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man, a Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him. And divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Verse 38. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. 
And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others himself. He cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. In verse 44, even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after His resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, truly this was the Son of God. Jesus suffered. In a way that is hard for us to fathom. He was crucified. Because of Jesus' sufferings, we are not subject to crucifixion the way that He was. Though we are deserving because of our sins, Jesus suffered so that we, like Barabbas, to be set free. He took our place. Crucified with Christ. Why did Jesus die? Turn with me to John chapter 3. And let's pick up with verse 14. John 3 and verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus had to die because He was the only one who could offer Himself as a perfect, unblemished sacrifice. And we read of, of the sacrifices of the people in the Old Testament and, and we read of, of their sacrifices. They were to be as perfect as they could be. They were to be the best of the best. But no matter how good those sacrifices were, not one of them could compare to the sacrifice that Jesus Himself made on the cross because He was sinless. And so when they, they offered Him on the cross in the way that they did, He was the sinless sacrifice. And, and His blood, and only His blood, can cleanse us from our sin. When we go back to, to verse 14, we, we read of the mention of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And, and this is found in Numbers 21 and verses 8 and 9. But it shows us that this was God's intention from the beginning. Uh, this was, in a way, a, a symbol of what was to come. He knew in creating man that, that it would lead to the crucifixion of His Son, and yet He, he still proceeded. And we see that even in the days of, of Noah, when the world became so wicked, He still spared Noah and his family because they were faithful. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish. But have everlasting life. You see, that everything that, that God did in regard to, to creation and leading up to the crucifixion and even beyond that, everything that God did, He did because of His love for mankind. Now, man is not left without responsibility in regard to the crucifixion of Christ. We know that, that Jesus has died and we know that He was, was resurrected. We know that He has now ascended to be with His Father. He has promised that He is preparing a place for us. But man is responsible. Man is responsible. He is responsible for his obedience to the gospel. Without man making the conscious decision to follow Christ, he cannot be saved. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who believes not shall be condemned. Man must make that decision 
of whether or not he will serve Christ. Whether he will follow, whether he will obey or not. It begins with hearing and believing, Romans 10, verses 14 through 17. A confession of that faith. Hearing, believing, faith. You must also confess that faith. Acts 8 and verse 37. Repentance and baptism, Acts 2.38, those are required for one's salvation. And without faith and obedience, man will be law. Again, Mark 16.15 and 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Man is responsible for, for carrying the gospel into the world. And we are each responsible for ourselves. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. In his obedience, in man's obedience, he bears the image of Christ's crucifixion. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. We begin reading in verse 1. Romans 6 and verse 1. <clears throat> what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Paul puts it so plainly in Romans 6 whenever he talks about obedience we see a representation of Christ. When we repent, when we purpose our lives in a different way than what we have before We are dying to the world, to the pleasures of the world, to the riches of the world, 
to anything that the world can offer, we are turning ourselves to serve God. And when we are baptized, when we go down into that watery grave, as we often refer to it, it's representative of Jesus being buried in the tomb. And when we come up out of that watery grave, see likeness of Jesus' resurrection. And just as he 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 walked again, we we walk in the newness of life. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Paul states of himself in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's no longer about me. When I become a Christian, it's no longer about me. It's about Christ. What can I do to bring glory and honor to Him? We used Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 this morning where it talks about being a living sacrifice. We are offering to God our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. We're not to be conformed to the world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are crucified with Christ. Dead to the old man. Crucified with Christ. Unless we are united with Him in His death, we cannot be saved from our sins. The message of Romans 6, how can Christians, those who have died with Christ, continue living in sin. That was the, the problem. That was what Paul was addressing. And the answer is they cannot. Someone who has died to sin cannot continue in sin. Yet there are many people who try to obey the gospel and yet they, they turn back to their sinful ways because they didn't fully leave them behind maybe. Maybe they, they, they once again see pleasure where they once saw pleasure and so they turn back to their sin. But if we have died with Christ, if we have been crucified with Christ, we cannot continue in sin. There is a difference, by the way, in committing a sin 
and continuing in sin. Because, again, we as Christians, we do fall short from time to time. But there is a difference from me purposing myself to Christ and occasionally doing something wrong than in me turning away from Christ completely and continuing in a life without repentance, without true repentance. But Christians, those who have been crucified with Him, must turn away from their sins, remembering how and why they obeyed the gospel. Galatians 5, beginning with verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These things that, that we're talking about, these are sins that people continue in. They live in them and they don't try to turn away because maybe they're happy in those sins. But we as Christians cannot continue in those sins. We cannot practice such things and still inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that we should live in. These are the things that we should fill our lives with because that's what God wants from us. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We are to walk in the Spirit. As we look at, at our lesson for tonight, Paul makes mention in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that all of this seems foolishness to the world. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish 
the wisdom of this world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. See, the wisdom of God is seen in the foolishness of man. No man would ever write a story that involved the hero dying on a cross to save mankind, to save the world. If it were written, it would not sell. But the Bible is true. The message of the cross is foolishness to the world. And yet we see God's power leading to our salvation in Christ going to the cross. Without such a sacrifice, we cannot be saved. It does seem as foolishness to the world that, that Jesus would die but he did. We believe it. And that settles it. I hope that you're a Christian. Because if you're not a Christian, you're not washed in the blood of Christ. You are not saved from your sins. But if that is your need, if you know what you need to do to be saved, then we'd be glad to help you in that need. If you need to come in repentance or asking for prayers, for forgiveness, there's any way that we can assist you. Let us do so. As together we stand. And as we sing, number 781. Wonderful song.